listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Beyond the Game program. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Manson. Thanks so much for joining us. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. It's sports talk, but it comes from a faith-based point of view. The program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, and is heard all around the world via podcast. If you've been a listener of the program for any time at all, well, you know we're blessed to have Zach Barletta here as a co-host of the program You don't need me to tell you because if you've been paying attention, you know that his in-depth sports coverage is as good as really anybody on the national scene. Check his facts. Maybe not necessarily his predictions, but his (laughs) insights and facts of what he breaks down is, I man, I'm telling you, it's as good as anybody around, especially when we do a preview segment at the start of a new season for any given sport. Right now, I want to bring in Zach, ask him about the NHL. I know it's one of his favorite things to talk about. So, Zach, how about I ask you a series of questions, and you can go ahead and break it down for us. Well, no pressure. Okay, let's do it. All right, let me start with this then. The NHL has two divisions in each conference, the Atlantic and Metropolitan, and in the East and the Central and Pacific divisions in the West. Of those divisions... Is there one team that you think is, man, this is a no-brainer, this team's when it's its division? I think for the Eastern Conference, the real easy one that everybody thinks of is the Lightning, right? Because they're so good, they've been there every year. So I'm not going to say the Lightning because that would be boring. I'm going to (laughs) say the Carolina Hurricanes of the Metro Division. Um, They've been a great puck possession team for a while now, but last year they started to put pucks in the net with some consistency. They had the highest Corsi 4 percentage in the NHL. Corsi just measures uh, shots on goal plus missed shots plus block shots. Anytime you get a puck close enough to the net to make the goalie move, that's a Corsi event. They were highest in the league in that while earning 99 points and making the playoffs. They led the league in shots taken and allowed the third lowest number of shots. The translation is Carolina always has the puck a lot more than their opponent does, which provides them with a lot of scoring chances and prevents scoring chances for the other team. They also added defenseman Jake Gardner, center Eric Halla, and scoring winger Patrick Marlowe this offseason. They're primed for another playoff run. I suppose I probably need to ask you this one, as it's, I'm sure, of greatest interest to most people. And that's this. Which two teams are most likely to meet in the Stanley Cup Finals? The two teams I have most likely to meet are the Lightning, as we talked about, and the Calgary Flames. I, I, I really like the Flames. I They were the number four team in Corsi 4. Uh, they were tied for second in the league in goals. I don't, I don't think anybody thinks of the Flames as this high-scoring team, but second in the league in goals. Um, they take a lot of shots while limiting shots for the other team. That's a winning formula. So I'm going to take the Lightning and the Flames. Yeah, you probably remember from last year, I was high on the Flames. Mm-hmm. And you know the Flames, the Sharks, the Las Vegas Knights. I, the Golden Knights are a team I'm pretty high on. I'm actually going to yeah. say the Lightning, who I've said for a few years now, and everybody else has two, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the Knights. I say Lightning and Knights. Who do you have lifting the cup? I have the Lightning lifting the cup uh, just because how many times have we seen the team with the hot goalie go on a nice streak? I think uh, they have a better opportunity to both score and defend and have the hot goalie, so I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. As far as the Golden Knights go, they were very high in the league in those the puck possession 
metrics and uh, taking shots while not allowing shots to the opponent. So I really like that pick too. Of the teams that didn't qualify for the playoff last season, which one has the best chance to be a surprise playoff appearance this year? I like the Florida Panthers. Yeah, um, all right. Number seven in the league in shots taken, number 10 for fewest shots allowed, number 11 in Corsi forward percentage. As I've been saying, they control the puck. They don't allow shots to be taken against them, and they have some really, really good talent. So I like the Panthers too. Is there a playoff team from last year that you think has the potential to slip back quite a bit? Uh, I went with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I thought the same thing. You know, they were a really good team. They're they're a grinded out type of team, but they lost Artemi Panarin to my Rangers. They lost Sergei Bobrovsky, one of the best goalies in the league. They didn't do a lot to replace the talent that went out the door. So I, I see Columbus kind of coming back to the pack a little bit. And you follow the league closely. Obviously, anybody listening can tell that. You have a pretty, pretty good grasp of whose prospects have the potential to have the greatest impact. Is there a team that intrigues you for one reason or another that you can't really get a feel for? As a Ranger fan, I hate to say it, but it's the New Jersey Devils. They just had the number one pick in the draft, so obviously they weren't great. Um, They added Jack Hughes with that pick. They also went out and traded to get P.K. Subban, which is a win-now kind of move. So clearly they're a team that believes they can go from the number one overall pick to the playoffs. Whether they can or not, we're going to find out, but they have a lot of talent. They're going to be interesting to watch. We're out here in Western New York, so I have to ask you about the Sabres. Playoff uh, parents coming up for the Sabres or no? There were a lot of things to like about the Sabres last year. Um, They were number eight in the league in shots taken, which kind of surprised me. There's a lot of young talent on the team. Um, They're in the Atlantic, which produced no wildcard teams last year, so there is opportunity. But I still think uh, I I need to see more out of them before I can say they're a playoff team. So right now I'll say... What I feel like I say every year, they're going to be more fun, but probably not in the playoffs. Last question. Is there a rookie that you are most excited to watch this year? I feel like you added this question just to give me a chance to talk about Capo Caco <laughs> from the Rangers. Uh, but that's what I'm going to go with. He was taken with the second pick, but experts agreed he could easily have been the number one pick without any complaint. He's got the good size uh, and body type for the NHL. He's dynamic with, with them without the puck. Uh, I've seen him among a lot of experts as a popular pick for the Calder. Um, so I'm going to take him as well. I'm excited to see him play for the blue shirts and I'm going to be buying his Jersey soon. Well, there it is. Our NHL preview of sorts. My thanks to Zach Barletta for his work in preparing not only himself to answer my questions, but all of us for the NHL season ahead. We have more to do. Please stick around. This is the beyond the game program. Taking a look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, October 3rd. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The women's volleyball team are still in search of their first win of the season after dropping the opening match of their conference schedule against Malloy College 3-0 last Saturday. Also on Saturday, the women's soccer team played St. Thomas Aquinas College to a scoreless tie at home before the men, behind two goals from sophomore Dylan Ruiz, defeated the Spartans 3-0. On Tuesday, the men were on the road against Stonehill College when Ruiz incredibly scored four more goals, all in the second half, and route to a 4-3 win. There's not too many chances to catch Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at home in the week ahead. However, tomorrow, Saturday, October 5th, both the men's and women's soccer teams, as well as the women's volleyball team, are all at home. Women's volleyball will welcome in Mercy College into the Voller Athletic Center at noon. Meanwhile, the women's soccer team will play host to Queens College at 1 p.m., followed by the men's match also against Queens College at 3.30. Support the Red Hawks. 
They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester, and you can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll find news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson, he's Barletta, and we're glad to have you here with us as well as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view. Zach, it could be my imagination. Maybe it's my perception anyway, but it seems to me like athletes are incredibly, or some athletes are incredibly thin-skinned these days. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's also possible that we've just had a bunch of these type stories in the news recently all at the same time, or maybe it's that we have social media sites like Twitter, which makes it very easy for athletes to get in a back and forth with other players or Mm -hmm. front office personnel and even broadcasters. And I suppose it's not as common, but it's probably much worse those few times we've seen or heard of athletes who actually answer back fans who are critical of them. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know about Antonio Brown's willingness to engage with almost (laughs) anybody who's critical of him. I mean, how many players does he seem to have a standing feud with at the moment? Just about all of them. Not long before the end of Major League Baseball's regular season, New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman. He's explaining why, despite reports that the Yankees were in on then-Blue Jay stardust Marcus Stroman, they ultimately decided not to make a deal with Toronto when the Blue Jays wanted Clint Frazier included. So Stroman, of course, gets traded to the Mets. Mm -hmm. And Cashman's explaining that the Yankees were interested in Stroman, but we didn't think he'd be a difference maker, is his quote. We felt he would be in our bullpen in the postseason. Seems simple enough, I guess. Not sure if I agree. I think he probably would have been in the rotation, but Mm -hmm. if I were Stroman, it wouldn't bother me enough for me to waste my time responding to it. But I'm not Stroman. Stroman tweets out a picture comparing his stats, which were very favorable, by the way, to those of the Yankees rotation with the caption, straight cash homie. I don't know what that means. Among them, Stroman listed his 3.23 ERA compared to the Yankees' 4.49. He also highlights his 4.1 war across 31 starts to the Yankees' 6.9 war over 135 starts, as well as his 0.91 home run per nine innings to the Yankees' 1.75. Okay, very favorable. But as a matter of clarity, 
Since joining the Mets, those numbers were not quite as favorable. Of course, it's later in the year. There's a lot of variables. All that is said, that's not really the point. What I'm saying is why would he even bother with answering a front office guy, or any other guy for that matter, about a fairly innocuous statement? Many times when you get drawn into these types of things, Man, it just spirals and results in a bad look. Yeah, and that's and it, one of the reasons I've never really been a big Stroman fan is he's so confrontational. You know, he's he'll get a strikeout, he'll hop off the mound and yell towards one of the dugouts and stuff, and the, the social media responses, I just something about that just really rubs me the wrong way. But then there's also Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. Former coach, current ESPN analyst Rex Ryan made the statement that he was overrated. And to be quite honest, I, I think at this point Ryan's right. I mean, it was a fairly accurate statement. I don't expect it to be. I think Baker Mayfield, once he gets more acclimated to the league, might be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But I would say, yeah, right now he hasn't really done anything. I think he's a little bit overrated. Yeah, what does it really matter what Rex Ryan says about you? Like like he said, Rex Ryan's not on a team because Rex Ryan got fired and hasn't been able to get a new job in football. It doesn't matter what he says. Everyone knows that he's just full of hot air and he'll say whatever gets him attention. If you're Baker Mayfield, you know, look, your their team is what are they? What are they two and two right now? Um, maybe focus on winning some football games, maybe stop running your mouth, and when you've won some games and made the playoffs, then you could say whatever you want to say. But in addition to responding to Ryan and maybe a couple others. If I'm not mistaken, he also had some comments about the Giants' Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. Again, why would you bother? I realize that not all people are wired the same. But take a guy like Derek Jeter or a guy like Mike Trout. To my knowledge, they never seem to say anything or do anything that gets them wrapped up in these types of things. So much so that reporters get frustrated because they never seem to give them something that would create for them some sort of juicy headline, some sort of juicy story. And that's exactly the point. When a person feels necessary to respond to criticism, what it really is is an attempt to defend their injured pride. Now, Rex Ryan is on TV. Whatever he says, first of all, is his opinion, for one. But on top of that, more than likely, he's prompted to say something which might spark some type of response. Oftentimes, they purposefully say something which would contrast the other opinions in the studio and or to get people talking. So if you know that already, why bother feeding into it with a response? If you feel like your pride is hurt, consider the source. Don't let somebody else's opinion and statements, justified or not, don't let them cause you to do something which makes you look worse. Let it go and leave it up to God to handle it. The best response is always personal. Go to the individual as opposed to handling out on public. That's why I think it's wisdom. Shy away from debates on public media, Facebook, these sorts of things. Don't get into it there. It's not a good forum for it. When it's appropriate to respond, pause for a bit and make sure that your response is according to the word of God. Make sure that what you're going to say lines up with scripture and it's not just some rash emotional response. Many times, It's good wisdom to wait before saying anything at all, especially when responding to criticism. Psalm 119, verse 42 says, So I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And any response ought to be full of grace. It ought ought not to include any anger at all. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. We ought to learn the skill of conversation. Conversation is a skill. Perhaps you've seen those British TV shows and their their quips back and forth are are cutting, but they've cultivated the language so well that though they're conveying some sharp meaning, they do it in a very pleasant way. Become the master of your speech so that you can speak appropriately to every person. That is whether they praise you or whether they, whether they criticize you. The Apostle Paul, he spent considerable time in his letters explaining the truths of God's word and refuting bad doctrines, but he lived out what he taught. He lived it out in public as well as in private. And you can have all the correct knowledge in the world. And the criticisms against you, they may all be inaccurate, but your rash response can damage your reputation. Just don't get dragged into it. Remember, your integrity, live both publicly and privately, is more powerful than your verbal counter-arguments anyway. In fact, your integrity is all the argument in most cases that you really need against somebody's criticism. And as we said on last week's broadcast, remember this, that it's God who you answer to. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 say this, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. Marcus Stroman doesn't owe Brian Cashman a response. Baker Mayfield doesn't owe Rex Ryan a response. And chances are, you don't always need to respond either. We'll be back in just a bit. We're going to tell you what it is that we like this week from the world of sports. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey gang, Benson here again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beyond the Game program. While Zach and I have fun talking sports, it's even more exciting for us to have this opportunity to share with you the greatest and most important news that there is. I assume I'm talking to a reasonably bright group of people. That's why you listen to this radio station. So of course you can decide for yourself what to do with what I'm telling you, but at least give me this moment or two to share with you what's on my mind. Because as I'm sure you know, every one of us is a sinner we can't get to heaven on our own merit. That means we'll spend all of eternity in hell trying to pay the debt of our sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was the only one who never sinned. And though he needed not to die, he willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt which we owed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity of despair. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is after he died, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making eternal life in heaven possible as a result of his righteousness. Sports Talk Radio is fun, but it also allows us to share this message of the forgiveness of sins 
with people all around the world who we'll probably never get to meet. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God and admit to him that you know you're a sinner, and tell him that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, and ask him to forgive you your sins. Begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Beyond the Game program. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta closing out this week's show with our You Like That segment. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Major League Baseball's regular season came to a close this past week, and there were many tributes and heartfelt appreciation being poured out from both players and spectators at a number of stadiums for those who were retiring or potentially leaving the club they've called home for many years. In the Bronx, it was CC Sabathia, Felix Hernandez in Seattle. In San Francisco, the Giants made it a point to get pitcher Madison Baumgartner a pinch-hit appearance so he could hear the roar of the home crowd one more time, quite possibly maybe the last time in San Francisco. But my favorite was in Pittsburgh, where Pirates pitcher Trevor Williams, as he was preparing to throw the first pitch of Sunday's game, back completely off the mound and tipped his cap towards the broadcast booth, saluting longtime broadcaster and a former Pirate himself, Steve Blass, who was calling the final game of his career after 60 years with the Pirates organization. The stadium crowd, as well as players both on the field and in the dugouts, all followed Williams's lead and gave Blass a long and thunderous ovation. And among the best parts that I really liked, I think only a couple of people knew what Williams planned to do. Trevor Williams's tribute to retiring Pirates broadcaster Steve Blass is what I liked like this week. You like that? What I liked was a video this week from the St. Louis Blues hockey team. The Blues got their championship rings as Stanley Cup champs this week. But two players paid a visit visit to their super fan, Layla. You may remember the little yep. girl that was cheering them on. I believe came on the ice with them when they lifted the cup after becoming the champs. She became something of a uh, an inspiration to them, almost like part of the team. 
and two players stopped by her house this week in a video to present her with her very own Stanley Cup championship ring, which was awesome. It was great. Mm. I watched the video. I got tears in my eyes watching it. It's almost impossible not to. It was really great, really feel-good video, and uh, Blue Super Van Layla getting her own Stanley Cup championship ring is what I like. You like that? You like that? Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program, but before we go, here's just one more thing. And this has come up more than I would like over these last few weeks. You know the Yankees already had pitching questions as they headed into the postseason. For a very brief moment, it looked like they might get a reprieve from this season of injuries that they've endured with Dylan Batanzas and Luis Severino coming back from injury. However, Batanzas, of course, as you know, re-injured himself seemingly like 37 seconds after he got back. But then Domingo Hermont. Probably the Yankees' best pitcher throughout the season let his team down by getting suspended on domestic violence charges. Mm -hmm. Certainly letting his team down is not the worst part of this story, but it is part of the story. But I've heard of several other similar situations recently where an athlete has gotten suspended and as a result is lost to his team. Good players, possibly the team's best players. They couldn't control themselves. Some got violent. Some were drug-related. Others were anger, disrespect towards team authority accompanied by threats of violence. Regardless of the individual circumstances, their selfishness resulted in hurting their teams and failing their teammates and letting them down. What makes it worse is that some of their teammates, who intended, probably well intended to be supportive, complained about the system which resulted in the suspension penalties being assessed. Mm -hmm. It's not the system. It's the selfish actions of your friend who couldn't control themselves and never gave you a second thought, at least until it was too late. You can have sympathy, but if you care about your teammate, don't be an enabler. Help them see the fault in their actions. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. The bottom line is that in each case, it was the selfish actions of one person that has resulted in many others having to deal with the consequences of their sin. Most times, our sins affect much more than just ourselves. For the believer, we need to have a strong application of God's word on our lives. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Keep in mind what your actions do to other people. God desires that we would have such a heart that we would fear him and keep his commandments. Not that we fear his punishment necessarily, but we revere and respect his instructions, so much so that we are disappointed in ourselves when we let him down as a result of our selfishness, which brings me full circle. That's it for us this week. Remember, this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers, and it's because of your financial gifts, which make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry, and if you do feel led to give a financial gift of any amount, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold, 
and be great this week, everybody. 